Hello, good morning. This is Rick Pina, and I'm bringing you today's word for September 29th, 2022. I'm teaching a series on success. And so this is a series I know that people are enjoying. They're sharing it with other people. This is a series on how to become a success God's way, how to become a success in God's eyes. And let me tell you, if you are a success in the eyes of this world, but you're not a success in the eyes of God, then you're not a success. What you want to do is be able to stand before God on the day of judgment, knowing that you have poured out of you everything that God poured in you and while you were in the land of the living. So you accomplish your divine assignment. You want God to be able to say, well done. Say this, say this by faith. Say, I am a success in God's eyes. Put it in the chat. I am a success in God's eyes. You know why? Because I'm a child of the most high God. I'm being led by the Holy Spirit. I only want what God wants for me. I believe what God believes about me. God gives me the passion. God gives me the power. Let's talk about it. Pursuing grace-based success, part 10. The title of today's message is God's passion and power to do what he called you to do. Say this, say, say I have the passion and the power. You got to say that, you know, you, you get up every morning and you have this passion, you have this energy, you have this boundless energy to do what God called you to do. Why, where does it come from? It comes from his spirit. It comes by his grace. It comes, there's this supernatural empowerment. I am a success in God's eyes. I have the passion. I have the power. I'm ready to receive the word. Open up your heart. Let's go. All right, so let's get into the word for this morning. We've been looking at our foundational scriptures and also Philippians 2 and 13. Let's, let's go back to it again today. So uh, Ephesians 2 and 8, this is foundational scripture from verses 8 through 10. The Bible says, I mean that you have been saved by grace. So this is what I mean. You were saved by grace when you believed. Now, you didn't do anything. All you did was you believed God and you received this, this gift of eternal life. And all you did was basically receive a gift. So you didn't do anything. It was a gift from God. Now, so you're not saved by yourself. You're not saved by your own works, so you don't have anything to boast about. The Bible says in verse 10, God made us a new creation in Christ Jesus so that we could spend the remainder of our days doing the good works that God had before ordained for us to do. So there are some good works that we're supposed to do, and we need to get to work. Say that. Say, I will get to work doing my good works. So, so you and I, we need to get to work doing our good works, but then God gives us the passion and the power to do those works. That's what I'm talking about today. But you and I, we need to get to work doing the good works that God had before ordained for us to do. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 30 and 31, New Living Translation, the Bible says, God has united you with Christ Jesus. Say, I'm united with Jesus. Now, when you're not united with Jesus, the Bible says that for our benefit, God made him, Jesus, to become wisdom itself. So I'm united with Jesus, therefore I'm united with wisdom. So I have wisdom from above. God made us right with him through his son, Jesus Christ. So I'm united with Jesus, so I have wisdom. I'm united with Jesus, so I'm the righteousness of God. He goes on to say, because of Jesus, we are pure. We are holy and we're free from sin. So because of Jesus, I have wisdom. I am righteous. I am pure. I am holy. I am free from sin. And so the text says, well, if you understand all of that, then you have nothing to boast about because you didn't do anything. Jesus did everything. You are who you are because of Jesus, not because of you. Say amen to that. 2 Timothy 1 and 9, the Bible says, God saved us and called us with the holy calling, not according to our own works, 
but according to his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. So God gave us an assignment and the grace for the assignment. God gave us a purpose and the grace for the purpose. He did it in Christ Jesus. He did it before the beginning of time. So we have nothing to boast about. All we're doing is believing and receiving what God has already provided. And then we've been looking at Philippians 2 and 13 for the past few days, where I've been talking to you about the desire and the power. The desire and the, God gives you the desire, God gives you the power. Today I'm calling it passion. Same thing. It's the passion and the power. God gives you the desire or the passion and the power. Now, I like to teach by both precept and example. I've been teach, teaching you precepts and principles uh, as it relates to this topic, Philippians 2 and 13, the, the desire and the power. Now, today I'm going to give you some examples because I, I think sometimes when you get an example after you've getting, you're getting the principle, but when you get an example, it's like the principle comes to life. So I'm going to give you some examples. So first of all, Philippians 2 and 13 uh, says from the New Living Translation, for it is God who is working in you. It is God who's doing it, not us, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. It's God who's doing it, right? He's giving me the desire and the power. The easy to read says, yes, it is God who is working in you. He helps you to want to do what pleases him. And then he gives you the power to do it. So he works inside of me. He helps me to want to do it. And then he gives me the power to do it. He gives me the passion and the power, the desire and the power. Let's get into it. What does this mean for you today? A few things. Here's number one. Let me give you some examples. God gave Abraham the desire and the power. So let's talk about Abraham as an example. Abraham, we, we, we are introduced to Abraham. His name is Abram at the time. And he is an idol worshiper in the land of Ur of the Chaldeans. That's all we know about Abram. He was an idol worshiper in the land of Ur of the Chaldeans. He's 75 years old. His wife is 65 years old. They don't have any kids. So he did nothing to earn or to deserve the call of God on his life. He, he later found out that God had already made plans for him from the foundations of the world, but he didn't even discover those plans until he was 75 years old. So it's never too late. Say it's never too late, right? So, so at 75 years old, God revealed to Abraham, his name was Abram at the time, that God, he says, listen, hey, I know you don't know this, but I made plans for you before the world began. I want to bless you. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And through you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now, whose idea is that? That's God's idea. That had nothing to do with Abraham. All Abraham did was receive. He believed and received what God had already provided. And so it was God's desire. But then God had to work with Abraham to desire what he desired for him, right? It's not easy to tell a 75-year-old man and a 65-year-old woman, leave everything that you know, go to a place. I don't, I'm not even going to tell you where you're going. You're going to have to, I'll tell you along the way. Go to a place that I'm going to show you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. So God had to work with Abraham to want what he wanted for him. God had to work with Abraham to get, to build up a desire for the things that he desired for him. And, but he did. Abraham got to the point where he believed it. He believed it and he received it. Now, he wasn't perfect. He made a mistake along the way. He, he had a, a, another child because he was trying to help God out. God was taking too long. And, uh, and so, so, you know, he wasn't perfect. And thank God that God doesn't hold our imperfections against us. Say this, say, I cannot disqualify myself because I never qualified in the first place, right? At the end of the day, Abraham couldn't disqualify himself because he never even qualified. God had qualified him, uh, uh, you know, for him. It was, it was a grace. It was an act of God's grace. It was a grace case. So after 24 years, 
Abraham and Sarah still don't have any babies, still don't have any kids. But what they still had was the promise, though. And God shows up to Abraham and Sarah after 24 years and says, basically, hey, you're still going to have that baby. Sarah, God was having a conversation with Abraham in the tent. Sarah was eavesdropping on the outside, and she had to, she even laughed. She was like, really? I'm going to have a baby now? And so, so God waited until they were past childbearing stage. And when he was about 100 years old, and his wife was about 90 years old, the Bible says that he considered not, this is Romans 4, 17 through 21, he considered not the deadness of his body, so his stuff from the waist down was not working anymore, neither did he consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. She couldn't have babies when she was 17, 18, 19, much less at 90, but they believed God. They were strong in faith. They believed what God believed about them. Remember, I'm talking about the desire and the power, right? The passion and the power. So they believed, they built up a desire for the things that God desired, and then it was like, well, we don't have the power to do this. If you want us to have a baby when I'm 100 and she's 90, you're going to have to do it. God gave them the power. So God gave them the desire, but then God gave them the power. 25 years later, he's 100, she's 90. This baby's born. His name is Isaac. And through Isaac, God manifested the promise. So God had to give them the desire, work with them on that. Then God got, had to give them the power because they could never do what God called them to do without God. And the same is true for you. Say amen to that. God gives us the desire and the power, the passion and the power. Number two, another example, Gideon. God gave Gideon the desire and the power. Now, Gideon, unlike Abraham, Abraham, his issue was he was too old, right? The world would say he was too old, but I already told you, you're never too old. In Gideon's case, the issue was not him, his age, it was his mindset. Gideon had a low self-esteem. Say this out loud, I will never have a low self-esteem, but Gideon had low self-esteem. And so God shows up to Gideon. Gideon, he comes to God. Uh, uh, I mean, God comes to Gideon at a time where Israel was under siege, right? So Israel were captive and, and they were being terrorized. And God says, okay, I need to pick somebody. But he had, had already picked them from the foundations of the world to lead a revolution. So basically, I want, you, I want to raise up an insurgency that's going to lead a revolution to free the Israelites from this bondage of the Midianites. And so, so God goes to Gideon, but Gideon has low self-esteem. So God goes to Gideon and he says, hey, you are a mighty man of valor. He says this through an angel. And Gideon says to the angel, look, I don't know who you are. And obviously you don't know me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Obviously you don't know me. Let, let me help you out. Uh, in, in Israel, there are 12 tribes. And my tribe is 12 out of 12. So my tribe is the weakest tribe out of all the tribes. It's like, okay. And then not only that, me, if you take all the men in my tribe and you line them up from strongest to weakest, I'm at the end of the line. <laughs> he said, I'm the weakest man from the weakest clan. But the angel was like, no, you're a mighty man of valor. He was like, no, I'm the weakest man from the weakest clan. The angel was like, no, you're a mighty man of valor. And God is going to use you to lead a revolution. He's like, me? He's like, yeah. So obviously, God had to give him the desire and the power. God had to give him the desire to want to fight because this dude was a punk. He didn't want to fight. And then he had to give him the ability to lead men. And then he had to give him the power to do it. 
But by the grace of God, listen, he built up the desire. You know the story of Gideon. If you don't, you should read it. This is Judges chapter six. He goes through this whole thing of, hey, I don't know, God, if this is really you, I, I, I don't know. Why don't tonight you, you make the ground wet and, and this fleece dry? Or then he make the fleece wet and make the ground dry. And then, go, you know, anyway, he put God through all of these tests because he's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Like, is this for real, for real? And after he convinced him, after he convinced Gideon to build up the passion and the desire, then he had to give him the power because when it was time to fight, look at this, when it was time to fight, God wanted Gideon to win one of the most lopsided victories in human history. Gideon had 300 men. God would not, not allow him to have any more than 300. Gideon had 300 men. The enemy's armies, there were multiple. The enemy's armies, you add them up, there were over 135,000 men. Over 135,000 men. Listen, and the, a lot of you guys uh, that watch this, uh, men and women, are familiar with the military. That's over 10 divisions, over 10 U.S. Army divisions worth of men. I'm talking about three corps. And so you got three corps against 300 people. And the 300 people won, and it wasn't even a, it wasn't even fair. Why? Because God was with them. But God had to give them the passion, the desire, and then the power, because he could never do it without God. You get it? I'm, try, I'm trying to give you some examples so you could get it. He had to overcome low self-esteem. He had to believe what he believed about him. He had to be able to lead men. He had to receive them. He had to do all of this stuff. And it was 300 against 135,000, and the 300 won because it was the grace of God. God gives you the passion and the power. You got it? All right. Another example. Number three, Peter and Paul. Let's use Peter and Paul. First of all, let me go back to the Gideon thing. So, so say this, there's nothing too hard for God. If God could use 300 to win over 135,000 men, then whatever you're facing this morning is, is light work to God. Say that. Say my, say my issues are light work to God. Whatever you're facing, whatever challenges you have, whatever's in front of you is nothing. It is light work for God. You got to open up your heart to believe what God believes about you. God gives you the power. Uh, God gives you the passion and he also gives you the power. All right. Number three, God gave Peter and Paul the desire and the power. God, let's talk about Peter and Paul for a minute. I'm going to talk about two people and and, and basically I'm going to link them. So with Peter and Paul, let's talk about Paul first. God takes Paul. Paul is, I've told you this before, but I'm going to tell you again, Paul was one of the most educated men of his day. Um, he, he studied um, under the law of Moses. And, and God, God took this man and says, I'm going to use you to preach, but I want you to preach to the Gentiles, not to the people that you've been under, not to the people that you've been studying with and that kind of thing. And God took P Peter, a man that was a fisherman by trade, and God called him to preach the gospel to the most educated men of his day. So let me, let me explain. Peter was raised as Simon. I told you this before. Peter was Simon the fisherman before he became Peter the apostle. So by the time he met Jesus, he was already known as Simon the fisherman. He ran a successful fishing business. He was not part of the Jewish religious elite. He was not educated in the law. He was not part of that crowd at all. He was just a blue collar, hardworking entrepreneur right? He was a blue collar dude, hardworking entrepreneur. And God says, I want to use that man, that rough and rugged man. This guy spoke out of turn all the time. He was, he was ready to fight. He did things wrong, all of that. God says, I want to use that man to lead the first century church. He was a hothead. God says, I want to use that man to lead the first century church. So the first century church, the leader of the church was Peter, 
a man formerly known as Simon the Fisherman, the guy that ran the fishing business down the street, not educated, dealing with the most educated man of his day in the law. Let's talk about Paul. Paul was raised as Saul of Tarsus. He was groomed to be part of the Jewish religious elite from a very young age, right? He studied under the greatest teacher of the law of, of that, that time. His name was Gamaliel. So he, he was around the Pharisees of the Pharisees, right? I mean, he was mentored by them. When he was old enough that, you know, he was there when they, when they stoned Stephen, he wasn't old enough to throw any rocks, but he held the coats of the men that were there. When he was old enough, he was sanctioned to actually lead the effort against the cause of Christ. He was the one that was leading people to lock up Christians, have them killed, have them stoned, have them put, thrown into coliseums, burnt alive at the stake or eaten by wild animals while other people were watching, all because they named the name of Jesus. And so he was sanctioned by the religious, the Jewish religious elite. And so obviously he had no desire uh, to do anything else. He had no desire to be with Jesus, much less any desire to be with Gentiles. Remember, these are people, the Jewish religious elite had no dealings with the Gentiles. And so God says, okay, hey, Paul, the Saul of Tarsus, I'm calling you to not only be part of the Jesus movement, but I want you to lead the effort to reach the Gentiles, people you have had no dealings with, people you don't even like. So I'm calling you to people that you don't even like. So he had to give, listen, you have to build up the desire, right? You have to build up the passion. In one case, God tells a guy who's running a fishing business, I want you to leave your fishing business and build up a desire to become a fisher of men instead of a fisher of fish. God tells this guy uh, uh, who's been all his life as a zealot for against the cause of Christ, and says, now I want you to build up a desire to actually lead the cause of Christ and minister to people that you don't even like. In both cases, God had to give them the desire and the power. God had to give them the passion and the power. What I'm saying is God does the same thing with us. God works with us to get us to the point where we build up a passion for, for what he wants for our life. I mean, like a real passion, like a yearning and a thirst and a desire to where all we want is what God wants. I, come on. If that's you, if you're at that point, put it in the chat. Say, I'm there. All I want is what God wants. All I desire is what God desires. I don't want anything else. All I want is what God wants for me. I, I, I just want God to be glorified through my life. And I've gotten to the point where nothing else matters. It's not about, you know, in this world, people always chasing that paper, chasing money and cars and fame. And look, I've done everything I was going to do. I've driven everything I wanted to drive. I've gone, look, I don't care about that. Like all I care at this point is I just want to do what you want me to do, Father. All I want is for you to be glorified. Come on now. If that's you, say that. Say that out loud. Put it in the chat. Nothing else matters. All I want is what God wants for me. God gives you the passion and the power and the desire. He gets you to the point where all you want is what he wants for you. That's where we want to be. Say amen to that. And number four, now let me bring it to you. I just gave you four examples. Uh, we dealt with Abraham, Gideon, Peter, and Paul. Now let's talk about you and me. God gives us the desire and the power by his grace. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about you and I. God made plans for you. I've told you this a million times. God made plans for you before the world began. He made these plans by his unearned and amazing grace. Now you did nothing. Say, I did nothing. You did nothing to earn them. You did nothing to deserve them. Nothing that you did put you in the qualified category. 
and nothing you will ever do will put you in the disqualified category. Ooh, that's good, right? That, that's liberating. So nothing you did put you over here in the qualified bucket and nothing you will ever do will put you in the disqualified bucket because you cannot disqualify yourself from something you, you never qualified for in the first place. So now all you want is what God wants. You open up your heart to God's best. You want to build up the desire and the power to do what God called you to do. But let's talk about it. When you first come to God, you know, you probably, depending on how old you were, you already had plans. So when you first come to God, at first, it's euphoric. Like when you first get born again, ooh, I know I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I remember I got born again, August 27, 1995, and I was going to get baptized. I was in Kuwait. And they scheduled my baptism for like October 2nd or something. All I know is I had, oh, Clarice Burnett is watching. Uh, uh, all I know is I had like a little bit over a month before I could get baptized. And so we had a guy, uh, uh, Clarice Burnett is watching. We had a guy uh, named uh, Lucas. Remember him, uh, uh, Clarice? Elder Lucas. And so we had this guy in the church, Lucas, who thought that you had to be baptized physically, water baptism to be saved. And so Lucas says to me, hey, you know, yeah, hey, Brother Pena, you know, we got to hurry up and get this baptism in, man, because, you know, if something happens between now and then, like, you know, over the next five weeks or something, if you die, you're going to hell. <laughs> and I, I'm talking about when you first get born again, everything is euphoric. You have all this passion. You have the zeal. And, no, and, you know, you don't know anything, but you have zeal. So I told Lucas, I said, I don't know. Look, I'm trying to, you know, I don't want to be disrespectful or anything like that. But let me tell you something. I know I'm saved. I don't know about you, but I know I, I'm saved. If, if Jesus comes, like Jesus cracked the sky right now, I know I'm going to heaven. I knew I was born again. I had that passion. I had that desire, right? You know how, how that is when you first get born again. It's all Jesus, all day, all capital letters, right? But then eventually that wears off. So when that euphoria wears off, you now are, are like, okay, now what am I going to do? Now, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? You had already spent your life becoming somebody. You had spent all of your life becoming the man or the woman that you had become to your life at that point. And now Jesus comes to you and he says what he said to the crowd in Mark chapter eight, verses 34 and 35. Jesus says to you through the Holy Spirit, if you want to become my disciple, my follower, you must stop thinking about yourself and what you want. You must be willing to carry the cross that is given to you for following me. If you try to hold on to your old life, hey, you're going to lose it. But if you willingly give up your life for me and the gospel, you will save it. Listen, Peter, uh, Simon the fisherman had to die to Simon the fisherman in order to become Peter the apostle. Saul of Tarsus had to die to Saul of Tarsus in order to become the apostle Paul. Abram of Ur of the Chaldeans had to leave all that stuff in order to become Abraham, who had many sons. You know what I'm saying? So Gideon had to die to this low self-esteem in order to become a mighty man of valor. You got to stop. At that point, once the euphoria wears off, God is working on you to build up the desire. You have to have a desire. You have to have a yearning, passion, hunger, thirst, desire for the things that God desires for you. Now, some people, let me be clear about this. There are some people that are willing to die to self. There are some people that are willing to pick up their personal cross, die daily, and follow him. And thank God for those people. And if you're watching today's word, that's, you're probably one of them. However, let me be clear about something. There are some people who are born again, and they are too selfish to, to die to self. You can be born again and selfish. And these are people who are too selfish to give their life to Christ fully. And so they spent, now, although they're born again, they're dibbling and dabbling in the things of God 
and the things of this world. Let me put my weight on this one. They spend their lives straddling the fence between the Holy Ghost and the flesh. And so they are too spiritual to fully embrace the way of sin, but they are also too carnal to fully embrace the ways of God. And so, so don't let this be you. These are people that spend their whole lives in and out of church, jumping from this church to that church, kind of giving their life to God over and over again, rededicating themselves 17 times. They go through this, they go through that, they're in and out, and they, they're wasting their life. They're going to get to heaven. I'm not saying they're not saved. They, they, they're born again. They're going to go to heaven, but they're going to go to heaven to find out that they wasted the one life that God gave them. God, you have to build up the desire for the things that God desires before he can give you the power. Why would he give you the power if you don't even have the passion? Wait, listen, if you're watching today's word, my prayer for you is that you build up the desire to want it, to the hunger and the thirst for the things of God, that you want what God wants for you. And once you have the desire, I'm telling you, God will give you the power. God will give you the power to do what he called you to do from the foundations of the world. Don't be a carnal Christian. Don't be straddling the fence. Yield over to God. Die to self. Pick up your cross. Make him your Lord. Follow him. Said another way, the best idea that you can have is to live your life based on God's idea for you. The best idea, say my, say my idea is God's idea. The best idea you can have is God's idea for your life. The goal is for you to get to the point where you believe what God believes about you. Say that. Say, I believe what God believes about you, where you are fully persuaded of what God has called you to do from the foundations of the world. That's step one. Step one is the desire. Step one is the passion. And once you get there, then you can go over to step two. Step one is desire. I have the passion. What's step two? Step two is the power. And so once I have the passion, then I can tap into the power. Once I have the passion, then I can tap into the power. But when I have the desire and the power, I have the passion and the power. Come on, there's nothing I can't do. With the desire and with the passion, with the power, when all of this going on in my, my life is all about him, there's nothing I can do because at that point, I'm yielding over to God. And if you yield to God, I'm telling you, you will live a life that is far beyond anything you ever imagined. Why? Because it will be what God imagined for you from the foundations of the world. He will live through you. He will manifest his glory through you. You will live an amazing life. And you know what this life is called? I call it the grace life, where you is just the grace of God. I am who I am by the grace of God. I have the passion and I have the power. I gave you examples. I teach by precept and example. Let's close this message out with a declaration of faith. Say, I have the passion and the power. Put that in the chat. All right, let's close this out with a declaration of faith. I want you to lift up your voice and speak this over your life. Say, Father, I thank you for teaching me about grace-based success. You want me to want what you want for me. You want me to believe what you believe about me. I declare that I do. I build up the desire to desire what you plan for me. And along with the passion, you also give me the power. I have the passion and the power. You implant your purpose in my heart and this divinely implanted sense of purpose is the fuel for my fire. But what you put in my heart is too big for me. I cannot do it without you. So along with the passion, you also give me the power. This power is called grace. I yield to you in all things. 
I yield to you in all times. My life is all about you. So you are free, Father, to do whatever you want to do through me. Therefore, greater is coming for me. I declare this by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. This is today's word. Apply it and prosper. Tomorrow, you're going to have another one. So please listen. If you are not getting my notes, don't you want the notes? Go to todaysword.org, click on the big red subscribe button, put in, put in uh, your email address, and you're going to get all my notes in your email inbox every day for free. Listen, I love you. God loves you more. Do me a favor. Leave me some comments in the chat if this message was a blessing to you. It's the passion. It's the power. God gives you both. And then share this message right now on your social media, on your timeline, and with your friends. Have an amazing day. Greater is coming for you. God bless you. If you enjoyed this content and you would like to learn more about our ministry or you would like to partner with our ministry, please visit ripministries.org. You will learn there what we're doing in the Caribbean, providing a Christ-based education to Haitian children in the Dominican Republic. We also provide them a hot meal every day. If you would like to partner with us, click on the donate button. All the donations are tax deductible in the United States. If you don't have my book, Level Up Your Life, go to rickpina.co and get the book today. From rickpina.co, you'll also see that I have journals and I also have some other products and apparel and etc. all centered around the grace life. And then lastly, if you enjoy this content, but you want direct access to Isabella and I, the Lord impressed it upon my heart for Isabella and I to start mentoring people, giving people access to us to be able to ask us questions. We're answering questions about ministry, about missions, nonprofit, for-profit. I'm addressing things as far as how I preach, our approach to preaching. We're putting out private content just for a specific group in the Patreon. So please visit patreon.com forward slash Rick Pina if you're interested in this material. Have an amazing day.